<sighs> hey, uh, Matt, what are you doing? Uh, I just thought I might multitask for this episode. I'm going to do my mandatory compliance e-learning uh, while we record, if that's okay. Oh, okay. Um, is that a good idea? Are you, are you going to learn anything doing that? I think I'll learn as much as I would if I actually paid attention to it. Oh, okay. Well, that's a shame. Click next to continue. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Click Next to Continue. I'm Matt Smith, and I'm joined with Raf today. How are you, Raf? I'm going very well. Very well. It's a nice day outside, and uh, well, actually, I don't know if I'm going well because it's a nice day outside, and I'm inside. It's uh, not going mm. well. What about you? I'm a. I have uh, had not had a single coffee today, so I might oh, fall asleep wow. halfway through the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but today we're going to do the inevitable e-learning episode. Um, mm. And I say inevitable because I guess this is kind of uh, a lot of the work that we do is kind of in this space and we've been pretty vocal about uh, opinions about it. We're just going to kind of rehash some of those opinions, maybe question some of the assumptions or contradictions maybe mm-hmm. we've kind of called out before or seemingly contradictions. And another thing I really want to explore is a lot of people these days are actually pretty negative about e-learning too. So I want to yep. unpack that a little bit as well. Okay. That sounds good. Where do we start? Well, let's start off with this uh, this idea that e-learning is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems to be two different camps really. There's still quite a lot of people that are using a lot of e-learning in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Still a lot of people going out to vendors and getting it made. Still a lot of people buying a lot of really big e-learning libraries. And I'm seeing new companies pop up uh, every day. I'm seeing a lot of people share their works in progress. Um, and, you know, things like the Articulate Storyline um, forums, they're still as active as ever. So there's yep. a, still a big, vibrant community around e-learning. But I am seeing a lot more people start to complain about it. And uh, I, I'm in meetings where I'm talking to people and there's kind of this attitude of, we don't want e-learning. E-learning's terrible. E-learning's crap. Mm-hmm. Have you had similar experiences? Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at a lot of the social media channels, um, in particular, like my LinkedIn, there's there's a lot of anti-e-learning um, sentiment uh, and people are sort of, you know, kind of position that, you know, e-learning is, is crap and it's never good. It doesn't achieve outcomes and, you know, people find it boring. Um, and, and the same uh, in client conversations is if you say e-learning in some uh, environments, you, you kind of straight away see that people aren't really resonating with that, um, that they're like, oh, okay, well, that's a really dated approach and it's old and, you know, e-learning doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, so definitely seeing um, that there's a lot of negativity to it. Um, and, yeah, to your point, there's a lot of companies who are kind of coming out and, and developing e-learning content as libraries or bespoke and all that sort of thing. Um, and and to, to and that, a bit of a- yeah. I was going to say a bit of a shout out to uh, our first episode about micro learning as well. There seems to be a real push towards mm. uh, e-learning is really terrible. Let's do micro learning, which I think we covered this in that episode. I mean, micro learning is just small e-learning, isn't it? Just small videos or small interactive pieces of content. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, that the point there is that some of these companies that are now, you know, jumping onto the e-learning's rubbish and, you know, now look at micro learning. Um, if I look at their marketing approach, what they were saying about e-learning, what they're saying about micro-learning and how they're, I guess, positioning the value. It's it's sort of the same thing again. Like, you know, 
five years ago, their methods of going, well, e-learning is amazing. It's going to solve all your issues were they had a really bad approach towards it. Um, it wasn't a, a good learning proposition. It was just how many interactions do you want? It's going to be fun and all that sort of thing. And now, you know, they've progressed to, oh, micro learning is the new thing. And yeah, it's again, just like very superficial. It's like, oh, how many micro learns do you want? And all that sort of thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of the same cycle is repeating with a new term. Um, it's, um, let me give you a hypothetical situation. Say a SWAT team bursts through your ceiling right now and they held a gun to your head and they said, all right, either e-learning exists or it doesn't exist. What would you say? Oh, this is like an existential crisis type question. Um, I mean, e-learning exists, I guess. No, I mean, like they'll wipe, they'll wipe out. So, you know, you, you have the choice. Wipe out right, right. Or, or, or keep it, keep it going. The, 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 uh, the, the, the guns to e-learning's head. Okay. I see. I mean, it, it, as a concept and as a method, it exists. I think the term is dying off. Um, but I, I, what, are, what I'm saying, what I'm saying. I've really, uh, I've really stuffed up in explaining this, and I probably should have had some preparation beforehand. But let's say you had the choice, you had the power to either wipe out e-learning or keep e-learning in workplaces, and and it was black and white, completely black and white. Mm. I'm getting to a point here. Mm. What would you pick? Would you say this, yep, this really okay, seems like keep, the, you know keep it as it is. a better analogy would have been the Avengers Gauntlet. I would have been way more on board than with that. I mean. It's, um, so I can snap my fingers and, and all e-learning in the universe just ceases to exist. It's no longer... I feel like you're dodging the question, right? <laughs> I feel like you're dodging the question. I, I wouldn't snap my fingers and get rid of it because when it's used right, it's, it's good. It, it does the job. Um, it's fit for purpose. Yeah. So I guess the reason I present that hypothetical black and white situation is because it, it isn't really black and white. Mm. But... If, if you aggregate everyone's experience, if you average it out, I think if you looked at it in a black and white way, mm. you would have to say that e-learning is bad and shouldn't exist. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I like collecting e-learning horror stories. When when I'm in a, so, we say this all the time, you know, when you're in a social situation and you mentioned e-learning, people start telling you stories or, or you know, trying to attack you. Yeah. I like to collect those stories and I don't kind of shy away from those conversations. I ask about it and I say, Oh, you know, I don't, don't create any of that sort of stuff, but like, what's bad about it. And, and some of the things I hear, you know, I heard a story a couple of weeks ago about someone who has a hour long um, piece of training they have to do online um, once a year and everyone in their workplace just has it playing in the background. Yep. It, it progresses automatically. It's a voice just reading out text on screen and then it gets to a quiz at the end yep. and it stops. And then, so they, they do their work and that's just playing in the background. They're not even paying attention to it, but they're doing it because they have to do it. Yeah, I've, um, I've actually, it's, it's funny you say that. I just, just the weekend that just uh, went past, I was having a chat with someone and and he's a psychologist um, and he's got his master's and PhDs and all that sort of thing. And part of him being able to, I guess, keep working with universities, um, he has to maintain you know a certain level of learning that he does. And one of the requirements is, something like you have to do 30 hours of e-learning in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that e-learning is, yeah, just boring theoretical videos, reading a bunch of documents, um, and then by all accounts, very basic quizzes. And, and he's the same. He's like, I've got like 10 videos playing in the background. 
so I can get to the end um, and complete the quiz, or in some cases, just getting to the end of that video and, and he gets a tick next to his name for completing an, you know, an hour of learning, um, even though he wasn't even in the room. A bit, of a, a bit of a digression, but this would make us a lot of money. <laughs> there might be a business opportunity to set up some sort of outsourced, complete your e-learning for you uh, type of you know business where basically you pay a small fee every year and there's a team of people and they'll just click through your e-learning for you so it registers on the LMS is complete. Um, and I'm kind of half joking, mm. but with all the stories I hear, that could probably make a little bit of money. Do you know I, that I you know that there was, a, there, was a, there was a there was a, an episode of and this is going completely off, but. In this, in, in the Simpsons, um, Homer got there was like this little toy where it kind of it dips in and drinks a bit of water and then kind of springs yeah. back. Maybe we can just sell yeah. those, but they're like really well designed to just click a mouse button. So you just pop that on your desk and it just keeps and clicking, clicking next for you. If we could somehow make it also do a drag and drop activity, I think that would be <laughs> as well. Um, but, you know, this is something that really just is on my mind quite a lot and has been over the last couple of years. And I, I chucked a, a question up on LinkedIn recently, kind of asking for people to rate their, just on average, their experience with e-learning. Mm. And I didn't provide any context because I didn't want to kind of sway the, the options there. But I put it up there because I kind of had this thought that maybe the people who aren't involved in learning, who have to go through this e-learning, who tell us all these stories all the time, they're probably going to say they generally hate it. They're probably going to say it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe the people that create it uh, think that it's it's worthwhile or it's fun, <laughs> yep. it's engaging. Fun. And my assumption was was actually wrong. Um, everyone pretty much said that it was bad. I got, I got one uh, person who said it was really, really good, really fun, and they learned lots yep. from it. But they put a smiley face at the end, so I'm not sure, Todd, if you're listening. Um, I'm not sure if you're joking or not. Um, <laughs> But most people said it was either a waste of time or it was incredibly frustrating. They hardly learned anything from it as well. And for me, that's a—I mean, that's that's a—that's almost a crime against humanity. Not the fact that there's just bad e-learning out there, but the reason I have cared so much about quality e-learning and 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 not just defaulting to e-learning as well is because it's it's wasting people's yep. time. People are going to work. And they need to do their job. They, they just want to go to work. They might love their job. They open up some e-learning and it kind of sucks the fun out of their day and it doesn't give them much value. Or they, they don't really like their job that much, but they need to pay the bills. And they turn up and then they've got to do something else they don't like as well. So uh, that is a terrible waste of time. And we need to start respecting people's time a lot better than well, that. Well, do you think, what do you think, and this is, you know, completely hypothetical now, but if you pose the same question, but say around micro-learning, what do you think the response would be? Uh, you know, I think this is a very industry-specific conversation. Like, it's very inside baseball. Yep. People who aren't involved in L&D don't know what micro-learning exactly. is, and they shouldn't, you know? it's it, it doesn't matter. So I think, you know, you could say, what about all the short videos you watch? And I think that might be a little, a little mm -hmm. bit different because that's, that's pretty... A lot of companies haven't quite you know, brought in a lot of small videos or they might think to YouTube and things like that. So that might be different. That's probably a, a really interesting um, kind of experiment to do and, and a bit of a study around what are people thinking about these short videos mm. at the moment. But, you know, we have heard stories of people saying like, why am I doing this one, one minute video? It didn't really explain yeah. much. And I think the micro learning um, 
is going to have the same problems as quote unquote yep. e-learning. You know, I think it's all pretty much the same. I think I said that in the last podcast, but it the bad design that has made really boring, information heavy, very poorly in, interactive e-learning is just going to translate into micro learning. It's the yes. same people using the same methods or processes to create those they're not going to get much value out of that micro learning as well. We are seeing this in the VR space with a lot of really pointless VR. Yep. I know, you know, you've mentioned, I think you've mentioned this on another podcast. You've definitely mentioned this in, in conversation about watching VR. That's basically computer yep. training. You saw one yeah. in cybersecurity. I spoke to someone the other day who had some computer training that yep. was VR and, and they were like, well, why? And they're not a learning person. They're like, well, why, why don't I just do it at my computer? I don't understand. And, you know, the biggest reason why so much e-learning is crap and people hate it so much is because most of the time that e-learning doesn't need to exist. Yes. It should have been a different type of training or it should have been performance support or it should have been something yep. else. Or there's actually no actual need for it to be any sort of learning content whatsoever. And maybe the, the root kind of problem that you're trying to solve here is actually a process problem or it's, you know, it's something to do that's completely unrelated to skills or knowledge or some sort of behavior. I think that, and the point there is, you know, there's so much e-learning. Well, I think two things. One, there's so much that is called e-learning that isn't. It's just content that's been put online and because someone in the learning uh, and development space created it, they call it e-learning because that's what it is, um, if you call it enough. Um, but the other one is the design process behind it has been focused on creating e-learning. That's been the goal. The goal hasn't been to complete good learning needs analysis, understand what the problem is, understand how we can help that problem, and then organically arrive at what is the solution or what is going to be making up the components of the solution. You know, Maybe a, a bit of e-learning here, maybe videos, maybe performance aids. That, that process hasn't happened. We've gone in from word go and going we're creating e-learning now what content are we putting in there and, and that's how you end up with just boring irrelevant click next fests or videos that you're just watching there and they're just going on because they're just essentially they're, they're like reading out the encyclopedia to you on that topic there's no contextualization there's no participation there's no relevance it's just here's some theory on this topic and we're just going to regurgitate it at you in the shell of e-learning. Yeah, and it's very much looked at from a, a tool perspective as well. You know, yes. there's a real skills gap in interaction design in L&D. And a lot of the interactions that are made are designed from either you know, what's available mm. in the tool. Um, oh, what's some variety we can chuck in? You know, you still hear this quite a lot is... Oh, well, they did a multiple choice activity, you know, 17 <laughs> slides ago. Now it's time for something else interactive to kind of break up yep. the passive content. Let's do a drag and drop this time. Let's do one of those. I can't even remember what they're called, where you kind of connect different things, um, the mix oh, and yep. match sort of stuff. Or if you want to get really creative, let's design a jigsaw puzzle or <laughs> you That's saw like, a really wonderful. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, that let, let's let's make it fun. And and it's so funny because we've we've seen this pop up. And, you know, there's there's someone out there going, hey, check it out. I'm making this, you know, I made this Tetris game. Um, and, and it's like, cool. Like, was the, was the objective to get better at playing Tetris? 
Um, if so, why don't I just play Tetris? If not, why is there a Tetris game in here? Ah, oh, because it's engaging and fun. Yeah, there's this real, real kind of desire to, oh, let's break it up or let's add something fun in there. And you really, it's, it's lazy design. You're really not looking at, well, it's what, it's almost uh, a it's it's almost an indi- to- like it's funny because when people say it, they go, "Oh, it's to break up, you know, the learning." Like, give someone so it, it in in saying that you need to add this little game or this fun thing or this kind of variety, you, you're literally saying that you believe the learning you're creating is crap, and, and you just need to pop something in there to give a reprieve to the learner to go, "Oh, thank God, I'm, I'm there's something here to give me a break from this." Um, like it's, it's so f- the content. Yeah. That's, yeah. The content you're creating the content. Not exactly. The content, yes. Correct. The content you're creating. And, and it's, it's lazy design because this stuff, if, if you are, if, if you have gone through a process and you've, you've really determined that some form of training is the right answer for this, and then you've gone through a proper process to determine, okay, the, the best form of training here is e-learning or e-learning somehow part of this, this wider program. You, you then need to work out, well, what are the specific goals and objectives of this piece of e-learning yep. and, and what are the skills that people are practicing here? And you can create some really meaningful interactions and you can make it interesting yes. because it's going to be relevant to people and they're generally in their specific type of job because it has some sort of interest to them. Maybe they're just good at it or maybe they're really passionate about it, but you can relate it back to their job and you can get them to do things that are really quite relevant and make it short and punchy because you're not focused on just regurgitating heaps of information. If people need to know stuff, you know, sometime later on down the track, then make it a resource yes. and then get people to be able to access that resource. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's another um, really good point is when you're creating e-learning and that's kind of for now, let's say that e-learning is um, some kind of interactive module type thing. Um that that learning event in some cases may be disconnected from the actual application of that knowledge so you know very often we see um uh e-learning on a topic that this user needs to know about this because once a month or once a week or at some point they will be performing this activity and and if you go through a good training needs analysis you go okay well the the purpose of the e-learning is to raise some awareness and allow some critical decision making but then at the time of need there has to be something to support them and what we what we what we often see is just that focus on that one learning event which is the e-learning and cramming as much stuff into it because it's it's cramming the awareness it's cramming hey here's a critical interaction it's cramming all the information in and there's no way someone's going to remember that a month down the track when they actually have to apply it and that goes back to designing a well-rounded learning strategy for whatever you're trying to achieve and the business objectives so that you go, okay, well, here's a learning event. And the purpose of the learning event is raise awareness, test some critical thinking, call out some of the gaps and give people a little bit of a context for this knowledge. And then when they need to actually apply it, we've got these support tools. Um, we've got this campaign of reinforcement. Um, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that people miss and they try and create this bloated single learning event rather than a learning campaign where the e-learning like for us it it could be something that's only you know five minutes or less which is going into the realms of what people say is micro learning but because it's been designed as part of a bigger whole 
and it doesn't have to have some sort of static duration for every single person exactly. as well. It can be adaptive. So, and this is the way we design a lot of e-learning when we have to design e-learning is you design it in a way that people can essentially test out. They go through, and it's not a case of testing out because they get a question. Yep. They go through, they're in a scenario that can replicate and simulate real life as much as possible. And then they show that they're competent in that skill or that they're showing the right behavior. And then it takes them down a shorter path. But if they aren't competent at it, well, then there's an opportunity to branch off into another scenario, another situation, maybe give them a, a bit more information, definitely give them some feedback yes. and, and make it much more experiential. I mean, kind of throw words around like experiential and, uh, and immersive, but I don't think as a you know a field that we work in, I don't think everyone really truly gets what those words are. Just because someone's clicking doesn't mean that it's immersive. Well, that's a, just because it's VR doesn't mean it's immersive. Yeah, and the other thing there you touched on is like the feedback. So something that in good e-learning, the 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 interactions are this moment of us getting an understanding about the learner. It's data. They've shown us something, and very often in I guess you know what a lot of people kind of view as e-learning it's kind of you know you get a question wrong and the interaction there is you've got it wrong you get a message that says hey you got that question wrong and then you're forced to retry it and it's and it's a missed opportunity to actually help someone learn what they need to learn so everyone ends up with the same journey and ultimately you know if you get the question right the outcome's the same. And if you get the question wrong, it kind of is because after that, you're just forced to guess what the right answer is and hope for the best. Whereas in good e-learning, that interaction then kind of goes, okay, um, from here, we've identified a gap for you and it goes down a particular pathway. And, and again, I was having a conversation with someone just recently who uh, works for one of our clients and we we're talking about what I do and all that sort of thing. And he kind of said, oh, I, I work for these and I did some, I think it was e-learning. And he started describing a, 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 a code of conduct type module that we did for that client. And he described the method that he found engaging without me putting a single word in him where he was, oh, it was really great because you asked a question and then if you got that question wrong, it actually then made you go down this other pathway which gave you more information and retested you and then kind of summarized it. And then you kind of went back onto the main pathway. That's, that's how he described it. And I was just sitting there with a massive smile on my face. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's literally how we want to design it because it means that as you're going through it as the end user, you see that the learning experience is adapting to your needs. So if you're complaining that, hey, it's too long, well, that's because you've got a lot of gaps on this topic. Um, and if you're demonstrating you don't have gaps, and, and, then it's super quick. And the feedback is is where you learn. I mean, exactly. That's, that's how you learn is you, you make a mistake, you, you get some sort of feedback, someone tells you how to do it better, you learn more about it, and then you try it again, and then you get better at it. Yeah, oh, cool. I, I kind of know that. I'll go through and practice yep. some more. That's and, that, and the fact that that's missing so much is, is just kind of blows my mind. And, and then... Another thing that is just missing all the time is just the storytelling. I kind of use mm -hmm. that hesitantly because um, I've seen quite a lot of e-learning just be really terrible because there's a focus on the storytelling and it's just the this, this story just doesn't follow a good yep. structure. It's just really long and drawn out and it makes it way longer than it needs yes. to be. And sometimes 
you know, the best thing to do is just make it really short. Or it's an irrelevant story, you know, hey, you're doing sales training. You're in a zombie hospital. What? There's ninjas (laughs) everywhere. and Yeah. And, you know, you can make a really compelling story. I mean, compliance training is a really great Uh example. I mean, if you think about compliance training, it's health and safety. It's people's privacy. It's uh, sexual harassment. It's bullying. I mean, these are things that they make movies out of, make TV shows about. These are things that are full of drama. And so making, you know, the the biggest complaint is compliance e-learning is so boring. We've really just missed the emotional aspect Mm -hmm. there. And we're not connecting with people and we're not helping them. You know, if you're trying to get someone to not, to really truly understand the nuances of bullying, I think we all get kind of what general bullying is, but but it is a bit of a, a nuanced topic as well. Lots of, you know, I've had experiences with, you know, bad, bad workplaces of friends and family who who even recently have gone through really bad situations with, with bosses who aren't terrible people who aren't intentionally um, going out of their way to be really mean, cruel bullies, but they are doing things that are legally the definition yeah. of bullying. And that's through either their own um, lack of self-confidence and awareness around being yep. a leader and, you know, them just not managing properly and a bit of favoritism or things like that. And you can really craft some really great scenarios and really great stories around that that will be very realistic and will get people to really think critically, give really great opportunities for feedback and have those kind of aha moments like, oh my God, I I, I did yep. that once. I was managing a team and I, I was actually doing that. And now that I look back on it, like I can really see the other person's point of view and how they would have felt in that situation. All I was focusing on was how I felt in that situation. And I was a bit frustrated with it and I was acting this way. But that person was probably going home at night, you know, complaining about me to their partner, crying. Like they could have felt really, really bad. That's why they left six months later. So if you do do a good job, like you can actually create those those moments where people actually have that bit of a eureka moment and go, oh, wow, like that's really changed my perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, touched on that, you know, being able to portray those real consequences of inappropriate behavior as, you know, this person, they seemed fine and then they left in six months. And, you know, sometimes you don't think about, okay, yes, someone's moved on to bigger and better things, but did they? And, and having something that provokes reflection and being able to go, oh, actually, you know, there was, there was behaviors going on around this person that they seem to just, you know, water of a duck's back, but it was actually bullying or it was harassment or it was something that can chip away at someone emotionally um, and, and drive them to leave or kind of get depressed or, or whatever it happens to be. So, um, yeah, you know, that emotive Let's... side is, is particularly important in compliance. And as you say, it's so often missed. Uh, the other thing in compliance, and this is kind of going back to that well-rounded strategy, um, very often compliance topics aren't something that I guess you immediately can apply to the next day. Like, I, I guess you can because you, you learn about how to identify, say, uh, sexual harassment and then the next day you're aware of that and you're able to actually identify these behaviours. But unless you're working in a really awful working environment, you'd hope that you're not applying that knowledge day to day. Um, and this is where kind of going, well, there's there's that single learning event and that's the e-learning great. But then what happens to remind people of that? What happens as the the kind of, you know, address that um, forgetting curve, a bit of space repetition? Um, and, you know, is it little kind of micro scenarios following on the main learning event to kind of make sure that that knowledge doesn't just dissipate and it's a once every year or once every two years sort of reminder of, oh, yeah, that's right. Even more, even more important than that is 
outside of learning and that's you know especially when we're talking about topics like the sexual harassment bullying things like that is the cultural yes, part yep. the system that people are operating in as well so seeing what sort of behaviors are condoned seeing what the culture of the business is and, and those might be out of scope for l d but it's it's your job if, if someone comes to you and says we need to design this be if you're a vendor or if you're working internally you need to be looking at those other things because you could come up with the absolute award-winning world's best piece of e-learning around sexual harassment. Mm. But if it's in a toxic work culture, it's not going to do anything. Yeah. Um, so once again, it comes back to going back to like, what is, what is the problem we're trying to solve here? And and we can't just be narrow and think, what what is the specific learning thing that I can do? Because there's other factors involved as well. But what about... Um, what are some of the other reasons why e-learning is just kind of universally uh, pretty crap in your opinion, Ra? Look, I think it, it's, it's, there's a few things. I think there's a lot of what we sort of touched on. So it starts in the wrong place from a design perspective. I think the other one also touches on the tools that are used. So something that we see a lot is something that is celebrated as, you know, a really outstanding achievement and super engaging and interactive as a piece of e-learning. Um, if you contrasted that against, say, a website or an app or something that isn't in the learning sphere, the quality standards that are being, I guess, upheld and 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 kind of um, you know seen as the 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 high end tier in learning, are way 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 behind what is I guess the quality standards outside of learning. So yeah, we're, we're benchmarking against um, what our colleagues have done, and we're looking at oh well, I mean, uh, and I, you know, when I first picked up an e learning tool, I was like this, I'd, I'd do really you know, what I thought was really cool stuff. And I'd be comparing it to other e-learning. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a genius. Yeah. Look how I've managed to do that. But the, the people we design for don't live in a bubble. They don't just go to sleep when they go home. In fact, when they're at work, they're looking at other things too. Yep. They're looking at YouTube, they're using apps, they're going home, they're playing games. And we need to, like you said, we need to be comparing ourselves to all the other stuff that's out there. And I think another part of that is there's this real reluctance, and this kind of blows my mind, that we're, we're an industry that is focused on building expertise, but we don't respect experts enough. Mm. And especially when it comes to graphic design, when it comes to UX, yep. when it comes to really good writing, we, we don't want to bring those in. We want to either act as a bit of a jack of all trades or want to kind of keep it in-house. It's, it's not that expensive to hire an animator to make a short micro-learning video for you. Yep. Um, you don't have to create it in one of those terrible kind of, you know, uh, I don't want to name any specific tools, but I'm sure people know where you kind of type in the text and you move people's mouths around or, you know, it does it automatically. It puts robot yep. voices in there. You pick a background. This time you spend on that and the subscription for the tool, probably, if you add it up, costs more than hiring a freelance um, animator who's probably worked on a few TV commercials and does a lot of marketing work. And I think that the bigger cost is that that thing you've just created that is the best you can do, uh, you know, um, participation ribbon. Um, it's not going to be effective. So let's say you create this little explainer video and it's robotic voices and the characters looking clunky and all that sort of thing. It's, and that goes out to, I don't know, 3,000 people. 
So there's now 9,000 minutes of productivity that you're directly influencing because people have to go through it and get to the end because, you know, that's how you get the tick in the LMS. That's a lot of cost. And if you look at, okay, well, that's that's three minutes for those 3,000 people that either can be completely pointless and just wasted productivity time, or it can be three minutes where you invest it up front to create something that is captivating, it's polished. And, and I don't mean, you know, it's not Transformers, you know, Spielberg effects. It's just polished, well-designed, and not kind of over-ambitious where you can see that the capability is being stretched and it actually is going to achieve an outcome. There's 9,000 minutes that have delivered an outcome versus 9,000 minutes that have been lost productivity. Yeah, and it's also, you know, you're also avoiding people rolling their eyes when they see it and going, yep. like, what what is the learning team doing? Like, the- Plus, oh, just to it's- kind of quickly, the, the other thing is, I guess, um, the reputational consideration of that. So every time you put something out to learners... If you're putting out something rubbish, then that's going to be, I guess, you know, the perceived, okay, well, this is learning and it's always just a bit eh, average and, and it's hard to recover from that kind of, you know, brand damage for an L&D team or, or for, for, for learning even. Um, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. I mean, oh, the perception... Sorry. Um, no, no, that's okay. Um, but, 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 we, you know... It's, you see it online a lot. You speak to people, and there, there are perception problems. And your L and D wants a seat at the table, but you're not going to get a seat at the table if uh, number one, you're not doing what we we're talking about before about identifying kind of what the root cause is and the problems. But then, when you are pushing out stuff that that does look pretty average to to most people, then you're not going to get that respect too. So yep. yeah, absolutely. And there is this kind of this idea that you know bad training is just neutral, like it's you know, oh, well, it didn't work, so there's no positive there, but it's just kind of neutral. Well, no, it's 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 actually quite a negative because it is costing time. Yes. Like you said, it is costing money. It is costing reputation. Um, and, and also, you know, if you are rolling out optional training, then in the future, people are, are going to be harder to engage with if they see an email saying, do this new e-learning yeah. course, it's completely optional. Oh, if it's like that other crap I had to do, why would I open this up? Or, or even to that point, you know, if, it, if it's mandatory training rather than being kind of interested or, or curious about it or like seeing a value in doing it. And, you know, normally when you get mandatory training, it's like, hey, complete in the next two, three weeks. Um, if all you're pushing out is rubbish, then people are going to put that aside until Friday on the last sort of, you know, Friday of, of the time period at four o'clock when they want to go home, they'll launch it. And even if, you know, you, their perception up until that point has been that it's been really bad. And then all of a sudden you create something that's amazing. You're going to diminish its effectiveness because people have left it to the last minute. They don't have time to actually, you know, engage with it and get the full benefit out of it. They might be pleasantly surprised, but they're largely going to be in that space of, I just need to get through this quickly because I want to go home and have the weekend. So it's kind of one of those things that every interaction you have with the audience does influence their perception and it does influence the success of future learning initiatives. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to cover off with e-learning? Um, I, I guess not. I mean, maybe one of the questions I have kind of back to you, and I think we sort of touched on this, but can e-learning be fun? Yeah, I think, well, yeah. No, I think I think it can mm. uh, for sure. I mean, I think definitely um, 
I've been involved, we have been involved with projects where we have created things where we've got very positive feedback from the users. And I'll just kind of point out there that that's probably the most important feedback. Yes. It's not if the client says, oh, that's that's great. Once again, they might be benchmarking against everything else they've used. It's if the if it's the user um, says, oh, that's great. Um, there's definitely been things we've created where we, we thought they've been fun and, and great. But it's not until you get that user saying, oh, this is great. This is none of like... We've had people say in the past, you know, this isn't like any of the stuff I've done before. Yep. You know, I wouldn't call this e-learning. And so, yes, it, it can be. But then the other part of it is like e-learning doesn't have to be fun as well. Yep. And I just don't want to give that impression because I got I, I, it just needs to be meaningful. It just needs to be able to provide some value to the business and, and the people using it as well. Um, so by no means are we saying everything has to be fun, everything has to be humorous, everything has to you know look really, really good. It can also captivate people emotionally by having a, a bit of a, a sad story. People don't just go out and watch um, comedies, yep. um, but also <laughs> it can be very businessy and very straightforward, but it just needs to be punchy and very relevant and someone needs to get something out of. You know, I've, I've, I've sifted through, you know, very long... Um, videos that have been very bad production quality and really you know frustrating to watch but it's been full of really great information i've read books that i've really hated the writing mm -hmm. but the content in there was really really valuable to mm -hmm. me so you know it, i think generally i just want to clarify this so we're not mistaken when we're talking about baddie learning it's not just about the stuff that looks bad and isn't yeah. fun it's it's about stuff that doesn't work yes exactly right and i think that that's a really good good sort of point it's you know, there's 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 the e-learning that looks terrible and is bad design and all that. That's just ugly kind of, you know, ugh. But then there's this kind of e-learning which is dangerous, which it looks slick and it looks great and maybe the interactions are great, but the learning design behind it isn't good, which means it won't achieve the outcomes you're after. And I guess that's kind of, it, it is a balancing act where you can't just all of a sudden go, oh, I'm going to invest the whole other way and I'm just going to dump content in, but then create just a bunch of interactions and it could look super slick and look great and it'll probably win you awards um, because it looks great but if the learning design isn't there then the end outcome is that it still hasn't hit the mark and this is something i guess to that point around you know fun learning we often what well, we we often see i guess um that organizations are going hey we created this e-learning and we put it to the users and the users thought it was fun and so it's successful and so, well, is it actually? Um, there was actually um, uh, Will uh, Thalheimer. Thalma, is that right, Matt? Correct me. Um, he, he's got um, his evaluation framework um, and, and it talks about that just because someone's engaged with your learning doesn't mean that they've actually learnt what they need to and they'll apply it. And just because someone thought it was, you know, fun or they enjoyed it, again, doesn't mean that they've actually learnt something and they're able to apply that in the right context. So if your if your if your evaluation criteria are was it fun, then you'll create something that, you know, could be fun for a majority or or, or you know a large portion of the audience. And then if you measure the success as it being fun, then great, hit the mark, high five. But it's e-learning. It's not e-games. And if it is e-games, and that's just games full stop, and, and all of a sudden, the stuff we create in the e-learning space can't really compete with like actual gaming, because um, that's you know a whole, a whole much 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 more complex sort of space. 
I was um, just having a sneezing fit there, so I hope that didn't make yeah. it through. I hope I hit the mute button uh, as quick as possible with that. But um, uh, I, I think if, if we want to end on a, on a bit of a call to action, what, what I would say would be if you are involved in the creation of e-learning and you, you do think e-learning could be better and you've had to sit through terrible e-learning before, really think about what the cost is to that person's life. You are taking away time yep. from them and and really do everything you can to bring in experts to help you, um, you know, work with a graphic designer, find out what your strengths and weaknesses are, work with a great writer, work with, you know, business improvement specialists, work with people that are going to help you make the best mm-hmm. solution. And also let's start being a little bit more critical of um, stuff that's out there as well. I think we have a very supportive field of work and everyone really encourages mm-hmm. each other. But I think some of that encouragement can be causing some problems. And it's when someone tries something new, we should encourage the effort for it, but we shouldn't necessarily encourage what they've produced. Yes. And we all need to be very open to getting some real critical constructive feedback about our work and, and continually getting better. And we need to be soliciting that feedback from our users, most importantly, to really find out what they think about it as well. Yeah. This has been a, a really great topic. And on that note, I think, you know, if people want to, on the back of listening to this podcast, if they want to share, I guess, their horror stories or, or like the success stories, that, that'd be really great. Um, because again, this is something, you know, we can, we can speak to, to more in, in future podcasts, but there's gotta be, you know, um, there's gotta be people out there who have seen stuff that's really successful and it's been successful, not because it's been super high production quality. It's because it's been designed and you look at everything in it and you tie it back to the outcomes that we was trying to achieve. And there's nothing in there that you don't go. I can see a connection between doing what I'm being asked to right now and that broader outcome for myself or the business or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, and you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts as well. This is mm-hmm. the first episode we've actually recorded since we launched. So I think we've got like six or eight that we recorded before we launched it. Um, so if there is any feedback, as Raf said, send it through on, on Twitter as well. Um, but leaving a review would be fantastic, even if it's a one-star review. Uh, just let us know why you yep. thought it was so terrible so we can make it better in the future. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. Next to continue.